0: Father's Day is just around the corner, and in honor of that, I decided to interview our favorite dad in this house, Neil. Neil has gone from being not a kid guy to a five-star dad in the world where fatherhood is oftentimes downplayed and demoralized. Today, he shares with me some of his greatest lessons he's learned about fatherhood, starting with a few from his own dad and then moving into his evolution as a father, especially what he learned while he solo parented for six months while I was on bed rest. And what his advice is to any dad who's just starting out or wanting to improve as a dad? We're going to start off with a funny quotation. You ready for this, Neil? When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. Mark Twain.
1: Mark Twain knows what's up. It's kind of funny.
0: Well, we're going to talk all about fathers, and I'm really excited to ask you about fatherhood because I feel like you do have a really unique perspective with being a very hands-on dad in our family and having played the role of basically mom and dad for eight months in our family. Really like a solid six months for sure while I was on bed rest this past year, but first with With this quotation in mind, I wanted to just start off with, is there anything that your dad did that you loved so much that you really wanted to carry that tradition on or that characteristic or anything like that into your fatherhood?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I think the thing that I probably admire the most about my dad is that he was always concerned with and trying to inspire us to be good people Mm. to do what's right yeah, and to do things that are good. Everything was focused on be a good person, have good principles, be helpful, be kind, be loving, and trying to paint through different experiences in life. And whenever there was an opportunity to do something to help another person or how to go about something, it was always in the attitude of be helpful, be kind, be be a good person. Yeah, so that's something that's with, true. with our kids that I would love to, or I try to carry that on and be. It's hard to be a good example all the time of that. Like I try to be. It's
0: you're a very hopefully good example.
1: See something good, but that's what I hope to inspire in them and is I to be good ho- human
0: beings. Yes, and I totally see that in your dad too. That kindness and goodness, and he's definitely a staple example of that. Did you ever, be honest, did you ever think like Mark Twain thought in this? Were you ever, like, did you think your dad didn't actually know that much when you were a teenager?
1: Oh, no, not at all. I was like, my dad is like the, the he knows all. He knows everything. Really? He's like the man. He's the law. Like, he is the.
0: There was never a rebellious teenager in you that thought my dad's dumb. Like, he my doesn't dad know. doesn't get it. He's yeah, not.
1: Maybe on the forefront of like. With the times, like my dad, he you your know, dad's my quite dad, a bit older he, than you are. My, I, my dad, I'm the youngest of six boys in my family, and my, I mean, my parents had my mom had me when she was in her 40s, mm-hmm. so they're significantly older by way of what you might normally see.
0: Your dad's like a year or two older than your mom, right?
1: Yeah. So in that way. I think that if there was a disconnect, it was kind of like the disconnect of like, oh, my dad is like so far along generationally. There's such a separation that mm-hmm. he doesn't know, like, what's going on with the teenagers. Which
0: every kid I, thinks I, that I about think their parents.
1: Honestly, he did more. He's, he taught high school. He was yeah. a drama history teacher. So he saw it every day. <laughs> so yeah. looking back, I'm like, he totally did. He actually knew what was But in my teenage mind, I'm like, no, like this is what I'm all about or what I see, or they don't see that. So that was the thought.
0: So now as a father, what do you look back and think, I had no idea what my dad was doing for me, or I had no idea what this was like until you became a parent yourself or a dad yourself?
1: That one is tough to see. I mean, I think as a parent, I think how much you want I think how much you love your kids. Mm -hmm. I know that my dad, my parents love me, but I don't think I understood the level or like the desires, the level of how much you want for them. Like I want good things for them. I want them to, to have good opportunities to have chances to excel and become the people that they are potential, have the potential to become. And I think looking back that was there, but I didn't see it. But my parents facilitated that. Anything that I wanted to do, like I came to them and was like, Hey, I want to do martial arts. And they're like, totally. And they, no questions asked, no mention of how much is it going to cost? Nothing. They're just like, all right, get us the information. We'll sign you up. Like, and they supported it 100% or football, or I remember doing both at the same time, martial arts and football. And I like, trying to navigate that, but they were all for it, all supportive. I see that now with my kids where I'm like, yeah, you want I want to create opportunities yeah. for you to excel and to be good or learn a discipline or learn a skill or develop yourself. And there was a lot of talk looking back now with my dad, that was the conversations he would have with us. It's like, okay, well, like, what are you doing? How, how are you, you know, what goals do you have? Like what How are you trying to develop yourself? A lot of questions about development. Like, how are you bettering yourself? I didn't realize it at the time. I was just like, oh, I'm going to ride my skateboard. But (laughs) like, that's what he was doing.
0: So this is a question that I feel prompted to ask you. You've talked a lot about how your dad changed in an even more Christ-like way after your brother Steve passed. Can you tell me about that and the change that you saw in him?
1: I think what I saw, my dad grew up in a way, I think you see it now in in the older generations like the grandparent generation right now, where it's like they grew up in a time that was vastly different. Then the smackdown. It was It was like, he grew up in, a, in an era where it was like children are seen and not heard, like that level of intensity. Mm-hmm. Like his dad came back from, my grandpa came back from World War II, and it was just like, that was kind of what the expectation was. Yeah. And my dad was Polynesian. So in that culture, it's like, there's no messing around. You do not. It, respect is so important. And you be respectful and you be kind. And as a child, if you're out of line, it's like, you get the smack. You're like, yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> hey, bro, like you get the smack. You know, if you're Polynesian or you you know that culture, you know what I'm saying. So that's how my dad was. And I think that it was very black and white. Here's what you do when you're a good person and stay in line. So I think he, he was very rigid, mm-hmm. but, but I think loving at the same time. And then after going through some things and after my kind of watching what happened with my brother and the struggles and challenges he had prior to his passing, and this was my first brother that died, that died by suicide when I I was about 13. I think after that and watching how hard he, my brother tried and still just made a lot of mistakes, but the desire of his heart was to do good and be good. And then I think just that whole experience just really softened him. So I think that after that, I think that he had a lot more kindness and compassion for the struggle. Like when people would struggle and maybe other, it would be easy for people to look at that person and say like, man, just get it together. Or like, you're making foolish choices. What are you doing? You know, or like people who struggle with addictions and the crazy thing you do in active addiction I think that he saw that a lot more with kindness and compassion and with me in particular. Mm-hmm. I think I was going through my own grief cycle after my my brother died and I was in a in my angry teenage phases and I I just didn't care. Like I just was failing in school and it wasn't because I didn't know anything or I wasn't smart, it's just because I just didn't care. But really that at the root of that was like I was just rocked. Like I saw crazy things happen. I lost my brother in a tragic way. It's a hard time as it is mm-hmm. when you're like 13, 14, it's the worst 15. Time. It's like the worst time of yeah. your life in the first place, just developmentally. And I just, my self-concept was just terrible. So that manifests itself in my attitude. And we are talking with a friend this week about Utah and going to like, summer school. I went to summer school in ninth grade. I went to a certain high school that's kind of like notorious for (laughs) being like where the kids go that have to go to summer school or that drop out of high school. They go to this school to either make up credits or to graduate. I went there for a summer because of this, because I just, I just didn't care. It's just too bad. But I think that my dad, the cool thing and my parent, both my parents is they allowed me to fail yeah like they they were they created accountability they're like hey we're talking with your teacher what's going on what are you doing and they're like hey, look we know it's you have the talent and the ability to do it you're just not you're choosing and but they but to, they let me choose it and I failed and then I'm like okay I have to go to summer school but once I did the summer school thing I'm like I'm not doing that again <laughs> and so then I choose you learned and I learned yeah and then I went to high school and I did a lot better. I wasn't perfect. I had some a few bad grades, but I did pretty well. Uh, I did okay and never went that route of like, I don't care. I'm just going to fail because I don't care. I mean, I failed. I, For example, I failed gym. Who <laughs> failed gym? My dad was <laughs> I didn't know that like, was
0: even possible.
1: What are you doing? Like, you're athletic. Like, you played football. Like, how are you failing gym? But it's just because I didn't... Dress. You get. You receive credits for getting your gym clothes, and so I just show up in my baggy (laughs) jeans and my Rage Against the Machine shirt, and like go out (laughs) on the field and just mess off with my buddies and get into trouble. And I failed the gym in like eighth grade. You know, just just that was the thinking. That was the level of just immaturity and just like I don't care. So that's kind of some of the changes that I saw him make was I think he saw my brother, Steve, kind of go through some of that, and and it was kind of very rigid with him. Mm-hmm. And then after going through that process and kind of seeing what happened, I think it softened him a lot. So I think he had more love and, and kindness and compassion, still rigidity, like, hey, what are you doing? But he gave me space to figure it out. So that was just really cool to see the the growth. And there's a few other ones. There's a few other stories of things that I did that were stupid and <laughs> my dad just had a like a high level of love and compassion that really took me back and was was awesome.
0: And you've carried that same love and kindness and tolerance and patience into your fatherhood with our children. I think I've only seen to. you yell at a kid one time, which was pretty warranted. <laughs> it was a TV that was about to fall, right? That was
1: the time. I, I felt bad. It was, yeah, the it was little Annabelle. She was like, I don't know, th- maybe three at the time. Probably, yeah. And I had a TV propped up against a couch that I was like trying to remount. She started grabbing it and tipping it up. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's going to fall on her. And so I yelled at her, you know, in an angry voice. And she started crying. <laughs> And I felt so bad. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't. So she put it down. I'm like, I'm sorry, but it showed me, it taught me. I'm like, okay, w- the way that I speak to my kids, they, the anger, they feel that. Yeah. And I, I, I remember feeling that as a kid. Like that has an impact mm-hmm. and can be damaging. And I need to be careful on how, the level that I of aggression that I speak to my kids with. So I've tried to be cognizant of that. It's, it's, it's hard, but.
0: You've done a really good job and you've taken that thing that you loved about your dad and applied it to your own fatherhood. So it. I think that's really cool. Let's talk about you. First of all, what you thought fatherhood was going to look like when we got married or even before we got married. Oh
1: man, I had no idea. I j- that was It was just like totally stepping into the dark off a cliff. I'm like... I don't know what's behind here, but I'm just going to jump and hope for the best.
0: And you were really nervous about having our first baby.
1: Yeah. I remember (laughs) you talking about it and I was just freaking out. I'm like, okay, I'm still trying to like work out. I've got a career. I've got a job. Like I'm still trying to figure out how to be successful. But I had in my mind of like where I should be prior to having kids. Like I got to be established. I got to be when this great spot and like financially have like a bunch of money and reserves and all this stuff. But you
0: had done a lot of things to I prepare a, for that. I you had, owned a home. I, I did.
1: Looking back, yeah. I'm like, actually, I did have a lot of those things. I we had a house and, and I did have some money set aside and like I had a job. And But I think it just in my mind, I'm like, that's not good enough. Like I've got to be.
0: Which just is kind of the way things are like it's never enough it's never a perfect yeah. it's, it's never scenario, a perfect of, scenario right you're never prepared right
1: and I think you helped me see that I remember sitting in the temple and just kind of freaking out because we were talking about having a first kid and I'm just like I'm not ready and you're like I feel like we're supposed to do this <laughs> and then I just took the leap and God works you through it
0: and then funny enough a couple years later you were the one talking me into kid number two
1: Yes. Yes. I was.
0: Yes. But I just remember being a little bit nervous, to be honest, about how you were going to function as a dad because you had no younger siblings. You had never, you had no babysitting experience. You had never even changed a diaper. That was funny. Your first diaper change. We have pictures of that. I just
1: wasn't a kid guy. Like, Like, some people are like, oh, I love kids. And they've got like nieces and nephews. And And you were the guy on the airplane that was
0: like ticked when people walked on with kids. Prior
1: to having kids, I was that guy that was just like giving people dirty looks when (laughs) our kids were crying or I'd be like, oh my gosh, like these (laughs) kids are like, are you really going to bring your kids in here? Like I was that guy because I just, I didn't understand how to interact with children. Like I just work was with adults all the time.
0: Yeah. And your first diaper change was with
1: gloves a pair of gloves on. yeah well i was i was working in the hospital i was like used to going in and out of places and putting gloves on and it's just what you do and i'm like they're here on the wall cool like let me slap some gloves on i'll put you know change a diaper but looking back it is it's funny
0: it's funny and now you are the guy who's like oh kids or even we were up in la a couple weeks ago and you were like you know what i haven't seen this whole time and we had, we had been walking around downtown LA, or not DTLA, but it was more like, I don't know, what what's yeah, that like Venice Santa Beach, Monica, whatever. Area, yeah. yeah. And we were just walking up and down this kind of street that had a bunch of really nice retail shops. And I was like, you know what I haven't seen all day? And I was like, what? And you were like, a kid? I haven't seen... Any saw kids.
1: Two kids the entire time. After and you were said that though. Vacation. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Was like, oh, yeah, we're from England. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense.
0: That's why you're getting an ice cream cone. Exactly. But I feel like you are the guy that's like, oh, like, look at those
1: kids. Am, if we're
0: on vacation without yeah, our kids.
1: I am that way because and I get it now, why people used to be that way is because it immediately I think of my kids. Right. Like I see a baby crying that's like two years old on an airplane and I'm like, oh, that's like my, that's like Mm. Lila. Lila was freaking out on an airplane ride across country and we couldn't figure it out and she's screaming and bothering everybody. But I'm like, I felt so bad for her. Yeah. So now when that happens in an airplane, I think of that time. Instant
0: compassion. And I'm
1: like, oh, Mm. they're feeling this or their ears aren't adjusting to the pressure or... Whatever, maybe they're hungry or something. And I immediately go there instead of just like, this is so annoying. Like, please get your kid off this plane. Like, what are you thinking?
0: (laughs) So fatherhood now compared to what you thought it was going to be. What have been some of the biggest surprises, positive or negative?
1: I think one of the biggest ones is that kids, they are their own individual, how so individual true. they are, how mm-hmm. much of a fingerprint they are. Like, I, you, know, you think like, oh, they're going to be just like me or just like mom, but they are their own people mm-hmm. and they're totally different. Like each kid is so different yep. from the other one. So the relationship is so different. So that I think that's one of the biggest surprises and that it's innate like how innate their personalities are. Like it's, I think the nature nurture, yeah, there's there's a lot of nurture and things they learn, but the core human being that they are is the core of who they are. Like yeah. that, that does not change, which is just, it's so interesting to see that.
0: Totally. What do you feel like you would have told your very beginning starting out dad, self, version of yourself? If, if you could go back now and have a conversation with yourself, like maybe the day before Annabelle was born.
1: I think just how awesome it is. Like, dude, you're going to be stoked. Like it is so cool. And just the greatest thing ever. I think I was so afraid of it. I was just like, oh, like responsibility, like freaking (laughs) out. And that's all I saw it for. And like, just feeling an overwhelming, like how in the, like, I can barely care for myself, let alone some life and what the heck are we going to do? But I think looking at it, I'd be like, it is the coolest thing. And it's going to be, you're going to love it. And these kids are just amazing. Like they're such amazing little human beings. And and I think in the ter- eternal perspective they are like you really think of what we as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints what you believe in that we all lived before this earth and we're organized in families down here and then relationships are eternal I'm like these are people so they're going to be there's no like sure they're developing through a physical life cycle but eventually there, we're all going to be equal. So, whatever I try and keep that in mind. Yeah. That how I treat them, I try and treat them as like an eternal person. Yeah. It does change the perspective a bit.
0: you've gone from a very nervous dad to a hearty dad. Like you're not afraid to take five kids somewhere. And I'm afraid to take five kids somewhere. (laughs) And you've gone from, I remember the first, randomly I was scrolling back in my text messages a while ago and I found texts that we had, or no, you know, it was your old phone number that I looked at, our old text messages. And you had said, I had left the house for the first time with you alone with Annie as a baby. And you said, uh, the baby face is pretty sad. She's crying. When are you going to be back? And now I feel like you're just like, I got this. Like you're not nervous at all with all the kids. What do you feel like you've learned along the way about being able to handle kids or what was the change from the nervousness to now feeling like i got this
1: i think it was something my actually my brother dave told me about being a father and he's like you know it kind of you kind of are like sequentially walked through the progression of it mm-hmm. so it's like you have this first you have a baby mm-hmm. and it's helpless and it's it's a it's hard like but all it is is like, hey, just feed this thing, change some diapers and put it and put them down for naps. And that's it. So you're like, OK, like, let me figure that out. And then the baby grows. And then each phase you learn something new or you figure you it's like you develop a new skill set. Then you're dealing with a toddler. So you learn how to do that. And then they get a little bit older and then you got to like. So each stage of their progression physically, mentally, emotionally, you're progressing physically, mentally, emotionally, as a parent. parent. Mm -hmm. So once you go through that and then you add it's, and then it's like, okay, I got one down. I figured that one out. And then it's like, all right, we're adding a second baby. And then it's like starting it all over, but then simultaneously you're still have your two-year-old and you've got your newborn or three-year-old or whatever. So you're sequentially adding to this and developing and growing as you go so that by the time you get to five kids or whatever. It's like, okay, I, and now I'm figuring out like the new level that we're at now. It's like, all right, how do I get my older kids to kind of help out with the younger kids? Which is awesome. And then I, then I can take care of the baby. Mm -hmm. And then, so you're figuring, figuring it out sequentially. But I remember the first time you went out of town and I had, I took two of our girls, Annie and Lila to target. And that was like, I walked in, I'm like, I am rolling hard. Like, this is so big time. Like I'm taking these two little kids to Target. Like, oh my goodness. I was almost just like, look at me, how awesome I am.
0: You but, are awesome. But now
1: it's like it's just a spectacle. We roll in. There's like a People car count. seat in yeah. in the shopping cart. There's one kid, Harry's up in the little seat for the shopping cart, and then I've got Millie hanging on the side of the shopping cart, and I got Annie and Lila following, and it's <laughs> me. And now it's just getting funny looks from everybody, and they're counting. They're like, wait, what? Like, one, two, three, four. But it's it's just because of that progression that you're able to do that. So talk talking to my first self, it'd be like, dude, it'll – you'll progress through it and you'll develop the ability. But I'm like, yeah, I don't know, it's cool to look at it like that. Like I'm not a, I'm not a kid guy or initially wasn't, but now I'm like, oh, I love kids. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. What did you learn having to really be the parent in charge for six months while I was on bed rest? What were some of the lessons um, that you learned?
1: I think one of the things that I learned that, I really didn't see coming or didn't think about was just being a member of our church, like church congregation, the mm-hmm. Church of Jesus Christ, Latter day Saints. Like how kind of lonely that feels to be like a feel kind of as the sole parent. You couldn't go to church because you were on bad rest, like literally couldn't leave. Yeah. I took the kids with me to church. Every week and, and it's there's are so gnarly a, four kids. And there's such a focus on family and everything yeah. is on everyone's in there, sitting in their families, they're all together. The parents are most times like there are single parents in our congregation, but for the most part it's families. But I I think I grew a new appreciation and respect for people who are in that that phase or mm. that uh, scenario, I guess. That I like my, my heart really went out to them. I'm like, man, I I'm only doing this temporarily, yeah. and I know for six months or whatever. But I I felt that and was like, man, this is really hard. And part of me like felt bad, and because I didn't realize how much I rely or how much uh, that brings having your companion with you and being in class together and. There's just something about it. So not having that was really, it was really challenging. And then obviously for the logistical component, my kids are just going nuts. At <laughs> sacrament meeting. It's like, it's the rodeo. It's like, all right, let's see how long we can hold on here before we got to walk out. Cause people are just freaking out and
0: like getting bucked off. They're all like beating or whatever. each other
1: in the halls. And then I'm watching these other kids like arms folded quietly walking by themselves or in pairs to go get a drink of water in the halls. And I'm like, Dude, like my kids are just MMA fighting each other, and (laughs) it was funny. People got a good laugh at it out of it. This one guy in my ward, he's kind of a jokester, a good dude. He comes up behind me after like a really hard day, and he's like, puts his arm on my shoulder, and he's like, he's like, man, you got work today. Like, (laughs) you know, I was expecting like some like supportive, like, hey, you know what, you're gonna get through it. He's just like, dude, you got work. Yeah, so it was it was hilarious. So. Those who are in our ward probably can tell by the way I'm saying that who it actually is. But yeah, that was one thing that was really hard, but I think it just gave me an appreciation for what you do. It's hard to replace mom that trying trying to do both roles and yeah, it's just really tough to, to do that. So I don't know. That's kind of the biggest thing, I guess.
0: Yeah. What about relationships with our kids? Was there anything that you feel like you learned or that you gained from that time that you probably won't do again? Hopefully, ever again.
1: I think they saw it. They were they stepped up yeah. hard. They really did. Like they, I think they saw the situation. And we, I tried to tell them. We both told them, like, "Hey, guys, mom's on bed rest. Like, you really, we need your help." And I think that was something that they took seriously. And they would be like, all right, I'll help out. And we worked together and tried to come up with, like, okay, you go get Harry and you go get Millie. And you. So I think we learned how to work together and make that happen. And I don't know. Looking back, I'm like, man, it's such a blur. Mm-hmm. I, I just can't even really think. But that's some of the things.
0: Okay. Have a question for you now about a topic that's culturally pretty... It's been at least for you and me in those years growing up. I feel like it's changing, but in the years that we grew up, it was pretty black and white. The man goes out and is gone all day, provides for the family. The woman stays home and is the mom at home. And that's just kind of how we roll. Like, I have this a former president of our church said, we urge you to do all in your power to allow your wife to remain in the home, caring for the children while you provide for the family the best you can. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's not like a bad statement, but that was the expectation that you and I both went into marriage and creating a family with. And that's just not how it has turned out for us. And I know that we're both on the same page that we feel like, It has happened and continues to happen exactly according to God's plan. And we both really feel strongly that this is how He wanted us to live our lives. But how have you reconciled that? And what are some of the unique things as a dad that you've been able to learn or grow in this position being a work from home, stay at home dad with a work from home, stay at home mom, where we're like, basically equal partners in literally everything
1: yeah no i think initially that was really hard because i did have that expectation and i felt so much like this is just what you do Mm -hmm. and i think really what the challenge was is i tied it to my like intrinsic value yeah like if you're not doing this as a man you are not a man like Mm. like the level that you are able to do this will, will determine how good you are as a human being like as a man a male and that's how hardcore I felt about it. So initially I like worked really hard to position myself to be able to do that. And it worked out. It was, wasn't like incredible, but it was there. And I was like, okay, like, this is hard, but we're doing it. And then I think as things changed and adjusted, and then we eventually started working together, I did have to get past that just like guilt, like, oh my goodness, like I'm not solely providing for my wife. And that's Therefore, I am not a good person. That's
0: the measure of your manhood. I'm I'm like
1: a total, just nothing, just like I'm a wuss. You know, that's (laughs) literally what I thought. But at the same time, I knew that I was, I'm like, okay, we're building this together. And there's a lot of cool things. I know the value that I bring eventually, like I think I got there. But what I thought about a lot of times through the process of getting to that point and the point I am now is I always thought, you know what? If I were to find out, there's a question that Brian Tracy, this motivational speaker, he'd always ask. One of the questions he'd ask is like, if you had six months left to live, how would you spend your time? Who would you spend it with? What would you do? Yeah. So I'm like, if I knew that I was going to die in six months or a year or five years and somebody told me that right now, what do you think I would do? I would probably be with my family as much as possible. I would be with my kids as much as possible. And if I were to die tomorrow, what would be my regret? It would probably be, you know, at that point prior to all of this, that I was like always out working or whatever, that I didn't get that time to be with my family. But I look back now and I'm like, man, I get to hang with my kids. I get to drop off my kids from school. I get to pick them up from school. We're at like everything they have, like me or both of us. Or, you know, I think of Disneyland days or things that we've been able to do, trips or just hanging out, being at the crossroads with the plan that I had professionally, it wouldn't have lended itself to, I probably could have done some of that, but not even close
0: to. Not very much. Yeah.
1: What initially it was like, I mean, I was doing like in surgeries, and so those are all early morning. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm doing sales calls in the afternoon and then going to like dinners with doctors or whatever in the evenings, it's like you miss everything. Maybe you catch your kid before they get to go to bed, but that's it. So you, I missed a lot of that with Annabelle. Like those early stages, I, I was gone. That's the cool thing that I think really like I get to be a part of their life. And they'll have those memories of like, yeah, my dad was always around and I always got to talk to him or interact with him or whatever.
0: And you and I both had dads who we love and respect to the end of the earth and who were gone all the time. Again, like honoring and respecting all different types of fatherhood. Like I felt, I always felt loved by my dad. I always felt like he was there for the important things. I always felt like He really, really cared. I think, though, to your point about what is the measure of your life, it's not going to be a career. Nobody ever says on their deathbed, I wish I would have clocked in 30 more hours or whatever. It's all about relationships at the end of life. So I think that's such a cool thing that you have, that ability to, like you said, live, live as if you were dying right now.
1: Yeah no for sure and that's been something that has been i think i think it's like obviously it comes with its challenges or hard like yeah i did love to, you know getting out and being out and about or doing this or whatever the trade off there is but when i really boil it all down and and bring it down to like a deathbed type of consideration of my life it's like man i am so thankful that i have had this opportunity to be with my kids and share and, and be able to watch them grow up, like literally every day and, and be there and talk to them and hang with them. And like, that's, you really, that's priceless. What would you trade for that?
0: I think for me, watching you and your progression as a father has been really such a gift for me to see not Because you weren't a great person before I married you, or when we got married and didn't have kids, but to see how much you have put your life, how much you've poured into that role of fatherhood, and how it's defined you as a person in the opposite way of what you were just talking about, where it was like the money or the career stature or whatever, those things were going to define your manhood. That you've taken that from an eternal perspective and said, "What is the measure of my life as a dad, as a person, as a relationship with my children and in our relationship too?" And it's just been really cool to see you transform from, really, when we would meet people and they would say, "What do you do?" and And we've talked about this on the podcast before, but they'd say, "What do you do?" And you would you loved to be able to say like, "Oh, I do medical device sales, and that was kind of your identity. And then when that was stripped away, that it really forced you to re-identify yourself, like what's your worth, who, who are you, what defines you, and to watch you build yourself into this role of you are a provider of happiness and joy and stability and love and peace in our home is such a cool thing. And I really respect and honor that. And I'm super grateful that that is where you've taken that opportunity to really define yourself into something that is such a gift to me and to our children. So that's been really, really cool to watch. Are there any final thoughts that you could give to maybe a dad who's listening to this, who is trying to improve, who feels like he's falling short or feels like he knows that he needs to be better for his kids or for his family. And you've been there where you've, you've kind of had to self-evaluate and say like, I'm not being my best self for my family. Like what advice do you have? And you do this a ton with sponsees too. What advice do you have for someone who wants to be a good dad?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And I've thought about, my mind instantly came back to this and I've actually had this come up in my mind a few times this past week. But there have been several times throughout my life where, actually, there was a couple, you know, a few of them where I was about to do something that I shouldn't have been doing, and mm-hmm. I knew it. And I was instantly reminded of, um, like, in our church, there's, like, the priesthood authority, right, which is God's authority. He delegates to men to perform, like, ordinances, make covenants, seal things on earth, and and have them sealed in heaven, right? So, In those times, I've been reminded and called back, like, you have the priesthood, like honor, like kind of a reminder to honor that priesthood. And that's important. Specifically, the priesthood comes up to my mind. And I think of a time we were in our our old house, and I don't know what it was, but I was just looking at the world and just all the craziness and thinking of my kids as teenagers and what they're going to have to face and all the challenges that are out there and I just remember I, th- I remember praying and I just was like god like what what do I do like how how do I walk my kids through what I know they've got to walk through in life mm-hmm. and instantly that thought again was like your priesthood like kind of like you honor honor that and keep the commandments and be the man that you need to be and it, everything will be okay. And I love that. Like there's a, a one of my buddies in recovery. He had this experience of like having a profound experience where basically the message he got was keep the commandments and you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a similar type experience for me was like, if I can just be the best version of myself connected with God and do what I know is right, that will translate into me taking the correct and right actions. As a father and as a husband, as a everything, and everything will work out okay. Like, keep the commandments and you'll be okay. So that would be my advice is like, first and foremost, the best thing, and I tell us to sponsees, is like, the best thing you can be is do is be in recovery. First and foremost, yourself, be in a good spot. Work out what you need to work out and do what you need to do to be in the best spot as possible and maintain that and everything will be okay. It, I mean, it, it sounds oversimplified, even if it's hard. Well, eventually, it'll be okay. Yeah. And it'll work out.
0: Solid answer. Final message that you want people to remember about fatherhood or being a dad?
1: Being a dad's awesome. Love it. It is It is rad. I love being a girl dad <laughs> too. Is I, I always didn't know I didn't have any sisters. So I didn't know how that would go, but I love having I think girls is they're so cool. And then I'm excited to get to know my little boys better and in my older age to have kids to go riding with and go do fun things with and go be boys. So I need I get the man and I get the best of both worlds. It's great.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow.